This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Ambody. With me is Matt Bruni. We are going to break down the LSU-McNeese State matchup, uh, one that certainly uh, should be lopsided in the Tigers' way on the scoreboard. But after the game against UCLA, uh, LSU does have a lot to clean up. And uh, so we'll be uh, working through that uh, as we preview this one. And the Tigers are going to be working through their kinks as they play the Cowboys in Tiger Stadium at 7 o'clock as – LSU has already gone through the Ed Ogeron press conference, practice availability for the first time uh, since August. Uh, so we've got uh, a lot to go over. And Matt, you were out at practice on Tuesday. Uh, anything jump out at you right off the bat from that uh, brief amount of time you got to see the Tigers? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was about what, 10, 12, 15 minutes, somewhere, somewhere around there. And so it's always interesting trying to get to see everybody. I tried taking photos for the first time. So it was a lot of different things going on, but I did try to lock in on the offensive line and I have it in my notes here. And I also put it in the VIP um, notes that, uh, that I wrote up afterwards and the offensive line from left tackle to right tackle. um, Obviously this isn't like solidified or anything, but this is the five that that were out there was Xavier Hill at left tackle, Ed Ingram at left guard, Liam Shanahan center, um, Marlon Martinez, right guard, and um, Charles Turner at right tackle. So that was the first thing to me that caught my eye. And I think, you know, we'll be talking about the offensive line and whatnot. And you and Shay talked about them at length on the last podcast. Um, But I thought that was a really interesting thing to me because we know that um, Cam Wire and Austin Deculus, the two tackles will be out. And so, how are they going to plug in uh, pieces uh, to fill in for them? Uh, how are they going to look? You know, uh, I think everybody's just trying to get a hold, get a handle on this offensive line as after last week. So that was the first thing that stuck out to me. And then, you know, everything else, you know, as, as you know, it's a lot of rudimentary stuff going on with quarterbacks, receivers, running backs. Um, saw a little bit of Trey Bradford out there. Um, he looked, you know, fine. It wasn't like it was anything explosive that he was being required, asked to do. But he was out there, and then um, you know the, the the defense looked like they were focusing on tackling, from what I could tell. So that's, I guess, a, a promising sign. Yeah, the offensive line is going to be interesting this weekend. You know, I don't think McNeese State, uh, and we're going to talk about them a little bit and, and what they did this spring, and of course their first uh, week uh, of 2021, they go 0 and 1 against uh, Division Two West Florida, right down the road from where my grandparents live. But uh, you know, it's it's something where. LSU's got to find some answers, and I, I think you nailed it in the roundtable questions, which we'll kind of touch on later as well. But, you know, not too much to co- probably glean from this game as far as how LSU's going to clean some things up. Uh, but the offensive line is one that I'm watching. You know, how do these young guys, if they see action, uh, look? How does the overall rotation on the offensive line look? How can they find some answers uh, maybe or some confidence to build moving into Central Michigan and then 
Mississippi State. You know, as far as building confidence, McNeese State is going to be wanting to do some of that. I don't know how they're going to do that, having to deal with LSU's defensive line that got after Dorian Thompson-Robinson a little bit. Um, But they went 3-4 and in the spring, 0-1 on the year, lost 42-36 to West Florida. Cody Ogeron, big storyline this year or this week, uh, son of Ed Ogeron, went 30 of 48 for 361 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions. Uh, This McNeese state defense, um, Isaiah Chambers, a familiar name for myself and probably you as well. Um, He's an FCS All-American. They run that 4-2-5. Max Johnson needs to find a lot of his secondary receivers. We know what Kayshawn Butte can do. To do that, though, he's going to need protection. Yeah, the the big thing going into the week was a lot of Jake Peets and trying to figure out how the play calling was going to work, how they were going to combat uh, pressure, not just this week and not just next week in Central Michigan, but, you know, moving forward throughout SEC play, you know, will they spread it out? Will they max protect Coach Orgeron in, on the uh, Wednesday uh, radio show? Uh, Coach Orgeron show said that, they are prioritizing that above all else, basically. You know, they don't they don't care about anything else. They need to protect the quarterback. So they said whether that's bringing in more guys to block and, you know, having less receivers on the field, they'll do that if they have to. Whatever it takes, they basically said that's the priority. And as we saw, I mean, obviously bringing five, uh, only having five and keeping in a running back didn't work because the communication. So it doesn't matter how many you have in to block if the communication is not on the same page, it's not going to work regardless. And that's really the big thing for me, because it's not like UCLA was every time was bringing seven on six. Like it's not like it was outnumbered every time. A lot of times they were only bringing four or five and LSU couldn't pick it up. And so to me, it's not just about, okay, we have to have more guys than blocking. No, you have to have the right guys blocking and you have to have the guys on the same page. So um, that's good. Like you said, even though I am a pessimist when it comes to FCS games and what you can take from them, getting the guys on the same page and having these reps, even if the two tackles are going to be out is going to be very, very important for this team. Another thing is we heard from Ed Ingram um, yesterday or uh, well, during the player interviews and he said that they were kind of tired. They were got nicked up, a little out of shape there. And that made some waves uh, on, on our message boards. And that is a very concerning thing as well, because you're at this point where, like we've said, y'all are a bunch of seniors. You should know what it takes. You should be in shape to play, especially coming off of last year. So now coming into this year where you have the same problems again, where they're having to rotate in eight offensive lineman against UCLA in the first game of the season, it's just not a good look. So, you know, maybe this game will give them a little bit more um, conditioning as well. I, I just, uh, it's, it's just such a big point of emphasis going into this week and going into this season that it's just uh, hard not to focus on it. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that was a pretty revealing comment. And I, I will say, you know, Eddingrim did say that, you know, the guys aren't turning on each other revealed that they basically did last year after the Mississippi State game, which, you know, we had kind of heard that the locker room was divided even going into the season yeah. just with all the offseason stuff. But, you know, this is a team that at least you hope sticks together. They've got two weeks to really kind of build confidence before SEC play. Uh, and for, you know, the defense, you want to see the back seven have a much better showing. They're going to face an RPO offense. 
you know, their balance, but they've, they've got the, some spread elements to them, uh, which LSU struggled mm-hmm. against UCLA. They're probably going to be in a good situation athletically uh, to defend this McNeese State attack, you'd hope. Um, I want to see the secondary and, and specifically the safeties bounce back, which they'll probably be without Jay Ward again. Yeah, that, that's a big thing is how are they going to play without Jay Ward? Because without Jay Ward, they looked pretty lost against UCLA. So, you know, Todd Harris, Major Burns, I thought both of them played pretty poorly as um, last week. So getting them comfortable, uh, hopefully Jay Ward is back for next week's game. But those two are going to be real important. Uh, we didn't see UCLA test Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley much, except for the play Stingley got beat on late. Um, and Eli Ricks' interception where he was kind of playing a zone coverage there, uh, kind of a robber-type coverage. Um, but outside of that, we didn't see too much with them, so I don't anticipate McNeese throwing at them very much, which, again, will put pressure on the linebackers and safeties, which um, were such a big problem last week. So, you know, it's going to be like – a basic version of whether it's what UCLA runs or what a, what a lot of spread offenses run. So it shouldn't be too much to handle and hopefully they can just let their athleticism just go out there and, and dominate. Yeah. And we've kind of broken into the preview part of this podcast. And before we jump to the keys to the game for the offense and the defense and get to a couple roundtable questions before we head into predictions, we're going to head into a quick break from the Go 24 seven podcast. We'll be right back after this with that full breakdown. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, to leave us a follow, leave us a rating, leave us a review wherever you catch your podcast at. Heading into the offensive side of this preview, um, we kind of have talked about it a lot on the board and, and in the kind of reaction still from the UCLA game. But, you know, a key for this uh, game offensively, you know, not only to winning it, but just overall, I kind of mentioned it. For me, my key is wanting to see the offensive line step up and play a clean game. No, no bust, no broken protections. We'll see what this McNeese State defense will bring at them as far as blitzes. You know, I, I think if you're trying to defend this LSU offense this year, bringing some heat is the way to go if UCLA showed them anything. Yep. And I think we're going to see McNeese State come after this LSU offense. So how the offensive line handles those protections and those calls with new faces and a rotation and all those things are really what I'm watching this weekend. Yeah. The it's what you kind of have to do, especially with the receivers. I mean, just Keishon Butte alone, you don't want to let his route develop in the, in the secondary there. So that's one thing UCLA basically took away outside of the touchdown, um, which was basically zero, zero blitz. Um, I think McNeese 
is going to, like you said, bring some pressure. So it's going to be blitz pickup. It's going to be Max Johnson stepping up into the pocket this week, as opposed to drifting, drifting, drifting and falling back and throwing off his back foot. Albeit, I think uh, that one touchdown or that one throw to the end zone he had with Trey Palmer that was behind Trey Palmer uh, was off his back foot and he just kept drifting back. And you're like, all right, at some point, step up in the pocket, you know, give your blockers a little bit of help there. Uh, that's one thing I'm really going to be looking for is Max Johnson getting comfortable, whether it's against pressure or uh, just as the routes develop down the field. So um, I that's a key for me is Max Johnson being comfortable, not turning the ball over and stepping up into the pocket and not being afraid and trusting his offensive lineman because that's what you have to do at the end of the day. If they come, you know, if they shed their blocks on the inside and, and get you, then that's on the offensive lineman. Uh, but if they if you keep drifting back 10, 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage, then it's just really hard for the tackles. And so there was enough blame to go around last week, but I'm interested to see how Max Johnson uh, steps forward and uh, improves. Yeah, that, that's going to be key. And, you know, assembling some sort of run game, you know, that's the big thing too, is I want to see uh, Pete's play calling get more creative, which kind of drew some heat a little bit from Ed Ogeron when he was talking to the media. He said that they fixed the run game in terms of running outside a little bit more, creating some different, uh, looks in the run game and going back to a more diverse set of plays being called. Uh, that's something that I'm watching for on Pete's play calling. Yeah. Coach o, Coach o is a really um, upfront coach um, as far as speaking to the media or just doing interviews. And uh, for me, obviously, this is my first year cover team, so I'm not completely used to it. So when I hear that, and he basically said that when UCLA started bringing down linebackers and showing different fronts that are really aggressive fronts. It basically really caused them to shrink their, their run scheme. And hearing that was just like, I, I, to me, I felt like UCLA did a lot of similar things they did against Hawaii to LSU. So that was alarming to me as just someone watching the games uh, as an offense, you should be kind of prepared for what UCLA was going to do there. So I, I need to see what Pete has up his sleeve. Cause obviously we haven't seen, anything of what they are supposedly supposed to have as far as the run game is concerned. So um, I, I'm still a pessimist. I know we were both kind of around like the four range when, when we talked about this last podcast uh, entering the season. Um, but do you really, do, do we both believe that the play calling is going to make a significant difference? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but you have to try something right at the end of the day, you got to try. Yeah, and they've got the guys, you know, against McNeese State to do all of this and, and to make it a reality. It's yes. doing it against the SEC teams that, you know, we'll eventually find out about, you know, the passing game. We talked about uh, Max Johnson being more consistent. They need to let these younger receivers probably get their feet wet even more this week. You know, they're not going to have Malik Neighbors, but uh, Deion Smith will probably be able to play from kind of what he posted on Instagram as far as him not being able to play week one. Brian Thomas Jr., they need to let him loose a little bit more. Jack Besh, same thing with him. And Ed Ogeron agreed when we talked with him on Tuesday. And uh, that's that. those are a couple of the guys that I want to see get some burn. Chris Hilton as well. That'll be important uh, in the you know passing game as far as letting see some of these young guys uh, get some run. Yeah. Do we know if John Trey Kirkland is going to be back? He is out uh, for this game. That's a good time to kind of bring up some of the guys that are going to be out. John Trey Kirkland's going to be out. John Emery's going to be out most likely. Ed Ogeron didn't seem too optimistic when he was saying he will need, you know, until Friday to really know. Um, like yeah. you mentioned, Cam Wire, Austin Deculus are out. 
So they'll, uh, and Armani Goodwin is still out. So Corey Kiner is going to get some burn here this weekend from what I would imagine as well. Yeah. Uh, you, br- you bring up Jack Besh and um, I'm going to, I'm going to one game into the season and one catch into the season. I'm going to take credit for calling him <laughs> uh, my sleeper pick before the season. Uh, I, I love Jack Besh, man. I was out at practice yesterday. He's one of the names I forgot. I, well, once I finished going through the players I saw at practice, um, I completely forgot Jack Besh, man. He just, he's, he's a receiver. He is a receiver and I would love to see him, them give, give him more run there. So, um, he's, he's a name I'm going to be looking forward to seeing more of in the past game, uh, especially, um, if Kirk with Kirkland out and without some offensive alignment, I think they can plug him in at different places there. But that the past game is just, like I said earlier, it's going to be interesting to see how Max Johnson plays. And if, if he can find, continue to find different receivers, because that's one thing he did do a lot of last week was they played a lot of receivers and he found a lot of different receivers. So how is he going to balance that, uh, finding different receivers and finding Keishon Boutte, uh, it's going to be, going to be interesting moving forward to see how he balances that or if he just starts just throwing to Boutte every single time you know maybe yeah not a, not a bad option to throw to Boutte every single time I will say you 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 wanted Jack Bash to get some run in the UCLA game and he did early and then you know from there didn't get the ball you know quite enough he he is that matchup um mismatch that that we you know thought he'd be you know being that big wide receiver kind of a tight end though flexed out he got a, open at times and then UCLA kind of I, I think in a way, you know, reacted to it. And then on top of that, he just didn't see many targets after that. So, you know, I think he's somebody they've got to get involved in. Um, you know, again, a, as you go into SEC play, we'll see if he can get open against some of these SEC linebackers and however they match up or safeties. Um, but, you know, game one, him and Brian Thomas got to see more. And on defense, you know, you look at things that LSU can get better at, and it's a combination of things, right? It's the crossing routes. Can they fix uh, the things that have plagued them now for well over a year and actually fix them this year with a new defensive coordinator? You know, Bo Pelini had a lot of issues, uh, of course, which we know about it, and it was scheme-related. Uh, but game one, Durante Jones get, gets picked apart with the crossing routes. You know, they couldn't stop the run. Uh, tackling was an issue. The safety play left something to be desired. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of a key, I want to see those units improve and get on the right side of things and start to build some confidence because one game down and, you know, they're already being dogged and, you know, rightfully so to an extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. She brought up a great point last podcast. Um, I mean, you know, you, you brought up some decent points too throughout the podcast, but Shay's point of, it felt like just game 11 <laughs> continuation of last year. It was just so true. It just felt like, the exact same thing as we saw last year, pretty much. And so um, the one thing I'm going to focus on defensively that I really, really want to see that we saw flashes against UCLA is I want to see this defense line just dominate uh, as far as the pass rush goes. I I don't want Cody Orgeron to have more than two seconds back there comfortable, like maybe a second and a half. I want to see this defense line really start to play well and really just dominate that game uh, from a pass perspective rush perspective. And then obviously, you know, we'll get into the the run defense as well, which needs to be much better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned the run defense, that's an obvious flaw. Uh, how do you fix that? I mean, is it, is it as simple as tackling? Is it, is it getting better in, into the scheme? I mean, you know, Damone Clark had his issues, Micah Baskerville had his issues, but it just seemed like the linebackers overall had a rough game 
And then the safeties, once Jay Ward left, just really struggled. Yeah, I you you brought up a good point on on the round table of just playing some safeties down there at linebacker. Uh, just add, I mean, maybe add some speed, maybe add some vision. Uh, but I, Glenn Logan being out shouldn't have hurt as much as I feel like it did against UCLA. Like I might be maybe overstating a little bit, but I feel like they just were beat in the middle pretty much, except. And I, I'm going to repeat myself whenever we continue to just talk about players that are going to step up and young players. I think Mason Smith was really good, especially in the pass rush. I, I think Mason Smith really ate up some blocks um, consistently, and I, I would like to see him a lot more. I think Neil Farrell did a pretty good job as well, but it's just like that, that depth that we expect that defense to tackle took a pretty big hit when Glenn Logan went down. And even, even though we just expected everybody just to kind of step up and not be a big deal, um, the defensive tackle was really disappointing me uh, as far as the run game is concerned. And then the defensive ends, there were times where they didn't set the edge at all. They were getting pushed out of the way too easily. And albeit, I didn't think the linebackers played well at all, but it doesn't make it much easier when you don't get that help from the defensive line. So it was just a combination of issues, as you can tell, just when you, if you just look at the box score and UCLA rushes for over 200 yards, um, it just, it was a culmination of issues. I, I don't know. And like I've said before, I don't know if what I see from McNeese state defensively is going to make me feel better. It's going to probably be central Michigan. It's going to, I don't even know, you know, Mississippi state doesn't run the ball too much, but you know what I mean? It's going to get into SEC plays where we're really going to have to see this team and be able to evaluate this team's run defense, because at the moment I can't pick out really anybody in the front six that I'm like, okay, that guy's doing his job every single play. And just when I went back and watched film, it's just like, this guy's getting pushed around. This guy's getting pushed around. So uh, McNeese won't be UCLA, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And, and like you said, starting somewhere and starting somewhere would be, you know, playing a really clean, uh, efficient, uh, sound game against quite honestly, an inferior opponent, which we all know. Um, what is what, as we kind of get into some of the round table questions we talked about, uh, what's, how does LSU kind of quell the heat, you know, or can they with, with a win this weekend? I was a, um, I was a pessimist on the round table. I guess spoiler, spoiler for those who haven't read it. Um, check it out on the site. Uh, I'm just at this point in my career, I think, I mean, I covered North Texas the past four years and, you know, seeing them beat, beat up on FCS teams just to go lose to SMU by 30. It just, I think I'm scarred from that. And so I don't know if there's much I can see from this team, except for the obvious, like keep everybody disciplined, keep everybody healthy. Um, just don't execute where you need to execute, complete easy throws, make easy plays and get after it on the defensive line. If I see that, then I'm leaving the game like, okay, they've at least started the process of taking the necessary steps forward because that's what it's going to come down to is it's going to be a process. It's not going to be all right. Central Michigan's here. They play their best game of the season. No, it's going to be McNeese state, central Michigan, Mississippi state, and then you get, I mean, Mississippi State is not going to be a walkover. I'm not going to make it sound like that's going to be an easy game by any stretch. But, you know, it's going to be a process. And then you get into the, the meat of the SEC. And that's where you're going to have to hit their stride. So I'm not expecting it to be perfect. But if they have another game with clean uh, ter- uh, penalties, not many penalties, and if they execute the way they should execute, then I will leave the game a little bit 
a little bit more comfortable than than I was uh, last week. Yeah, I I said I mean there's a way to kind of quell things, which is certainly winning and not playing with your food and just getting out there and dominating and and honestly taking out the week of uh, you know angst that the fan base you know took out on them quite honestly and um, you know putting together a, a strong game plan, showing some of the new things in the run game that you said you would and executing them well, the offensive line improving, you know, Max Johnson being efficient, no turnovers, um, all of those things that you should do against an FCS opponent. Like you said, I think that'll quell things. And then people can kind of get back on the track of saying, okay, all right, now it's on to central Michigan, you know, what's next, what's the next step of improvement. Uh, that's something that this team needs to show this weekend. And, to do that, I think they need a dominating victory. Um, I'm going to pick LSU to win 47 to 10. Uh, that's going to be my pick. Uh, what, what's uh, what's your feeling on this one, Matt? It's um, I, I'm I'm going to pick LSU to win. It's funny. I mean, there hasn't been a spread put out on on any betting site, which isn't unusual for an FBS FCS game. A lot of times, there won't be one, uh, especially if it would be that big. Uh, I've been debating my head for a while. I'm not going to bore the listeners with uh, just me thinking for a while. So I'm going to go out and say LSU 52, no, LSU 55, McNeese State 17. That's what I'll say, which is a similar scoreline to yours, I guess, just a touchdown more both ways. But hey, I, I, I believe, I think the LSU offense has has a really fun day. That's what I'll say, a fun day. I think Max Johnson has puts up great numbers and Garrett Nussmeyer lights it up as well. And I'll add, I think, I think we could see a special teams touchdown as well from LSU. I'm, I'm going to, you know, kind of make that bold, bold right. prediction. Uh, you know, they, they tend to have a good, good um, track record of at least doing that in some of these, you know, FCS games. So I'm going to pick LSU to score a special teams touchdown as well and kind of get on the right track. Uh, I'll see if I can there. find the odds for that in, in a book somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's uh, a good uh, one. A good prop bet, which, by the way, shout out you—you you know, you picked Deshaun Butte over on his receiving yards, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't even—I was thinking about that during the game, but I didn't go back and look at all of our picks because I was just kind of, you know, in um, internalizing. I think that whole game, so I didn't even go back and look at our our predictions. Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a game to go back and tout that you picked Deshaun Butte uh, to uh, go over on the receiving yards while uh, also LSU looking very subpar overall <laughs> yeah no well no. cool well guys thanks for listening to this edition of the go 24 7 podcast we'll check back with you after the game with more reaction on the site and then again a podcast uh later after after the game to uh review it and uh share our thoughts as lsu looks to get back on the side of winning uh, against mcneese state this weekend so we'll have all your coverage from tiger stadium so be sure to keep it locked on go 247.com Hope everybody has a great weekend getting a, a full stadium back in Tiger Stadium. Stay safe out there if you're tailgating or going to the game, and we'll catch you guys after. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast.